You are listening to the MZBC Students Greenhouse Podcast. For more information about Mount Zion Baptist Church, go to mzbc.net slash students or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at mzbcstudents. As stated earlier, we're uh, continuing our series. This is actually the last night of our 11 Verses of the World. If you've been paying attention or been here the last couple weeks, uh, we've been talking about uh, the disciples. The first week we talked about them pre-Jesus' death and resurrection, uh, about how they were chosen and they were just ordinary guys, some of them fishermen because Jesus loves fishermen better than everybody else. Um, it's not true, but I like to think so. Um, they were ordinary guys, but they got, they got to do some extraordinary things. And then last week we talked about some of those extraordinary things, the way that those 11 quickly turned the world uh, upside down and completely changed the world. We saw that, that map that like showed them going out from everywhere and basically covering uh, most of the world. The U.S. wasn't there because, you know, whatever. Um, but uh, they had not learned to travel that, that far yet, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, they, they basically changed the world at that time, starting with just those 11 people because of the power of the Holy Spirit and the way God used them, even though they were just ordinary dudes. Tonight, though, I want to uh, talk... I want tell you a story. You can open up to uh, Acts chapter 8. Most of it, I'm just going to tell you the story, and then we'll just read a few key sections of it. Uh, but our story tonight has, uh, has a deacon, like, you know, in church we have deacons, like dudes who like to meet together and pray and do awesome stuff and be servants of the church. So it has a, it has a deacon, has a magician, has some of the disciples, uh, and an Ethiopian. Kind of sounds like the start of a bad joke, but uh, <laughs> I figured the adults would get that. My wife was the only one that laughed, so I think I've just turned her into my humor liking. So, yeah, so let's get let's get in. So, the chapter eight starts giving us some context here, uh, and there's this guy named Saul. A lot of you who've been around church for a little while, you know that this Saul, in just like the next chapter, is converted to uh, be a Christian. And, and his name changes in Scripture from Saul to Paul. And there's lots of things with that, and we're not going to get into that. But when this chapter opens, he's, he's still Saul. He's still, the religious, he's still a religious leader in Judaism, and he still uh, hates, hates Christians. Like, it says in the first few verses that he was like going home to home and dragging people who professed Jesus out of their homes, beating them, putting them in prison, and even killing some of them. Like, hated Christians. So this is the backdrop of where our story starts. And then enters Philip, not the disciple Philip that we talked about the last couple of weeks, but this deacon in the early church in Jerusalem. He gets real fired up. Uh, he's, he's like an evangelist at heart. Uh, one of our deacons around here that's like that is Glenn Sanders, if you ever know him. He's, he's, an, he's an old, like skinny, like military dude. Loves Jesus and wants everyone to know about Jesus. Like, literally has this phrase that he says all the time. He's like, I don't care how we tell people about Jesus. Like, if we need to set off, like, smoke bombs to get people to, to love Jesus, I'll go buy them. I mean, like, dude loves Jesus. That's, that's, that's Philip. He's like, man, I want people to know Jesus. I want to go tell them, all right? And so he makes his way from Jerusalem on up into Samaria. If you know anything about uh, the culture in this day, people who live in Jerusalem and people who live in Samaria don't like each other. I mean, like, hate, 
hate, hate one another. Uh, it was a, a big war between them, a lot to do with uh, religious stuff and, and different things. But he knew that they needed Jesus. So he goes up there, and he starts sharing the gospel, and people start becoming Christians, and he's baptizing them, and it's, it's, it's going real well. It's, it's really awesome. And then enters Simon the Magician, not any, either of the two Simons that are disciples. Apparently, a lot of people had the same names back then. Kind of happens today, too. Like, everybody is named Emma or Jessica, right? It just happens. It just happens. I'm really thirsty, and I'm not sure why. So I, I had sinus junk the last few days, and so I can actually hear you guys better than myself right now. To me, like, it's all weird. So I'm kind of off a little bit, but that's all right. So in the story, so enters Simon the magician, comes in, uh, and he's not necessarily a magician in the form of, of Collins that we just watched on the video. He's not, like, doing street magic and then, like, has a stage, and he's like, do -do 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 -do, like, doing illusions and stuff. Um, it was more like sorcery-type magic. Um, we would equate him to, uh, like, modern-day, uh, like, healers and things like Benny Hinn, if you know that name, like, people who uh, sell their supposed gifts for profit. Um, that's more along the lines of who this guy was. He was, he was a magician. In biblical terms, that means, like, sorcerer and, and con artist, really, is what he is, a con artist. Uh, and so he meets, he meets Philip, and he hears the gospel, and it says he believed. He believed the gospel. And he was baptized. And you think, oh, that's really cool. Um, hold that thought, okay? But what's initially cool about that is that he was really well known. It says in there that the people around there even, even equated him to being maybe a, a god, maybe like a lesser kind of god, almost like demigod sort of thing, uh, if you're familiar with Greek mythology. Um, like he was, he was really popular and people loved him. People paid lots and lots of money to him for whatever magic that he did in that time, okay? And so, like, him believing in Jesus was kind of a big deal. And so, uh, anyway, he, he believes in Jesus. He's baptized. Um, Philip's still hanging out, hanging out, evangelizing, telling people about Jesus. They're becoming Christians. He's baptizing them. And word of what Philip's doing or how successful he uh, is being gets back to the church in Jerusalem, which is the first church, okay? It was in Jerusalem, first Christian church, not the first Baptist church of Huntsville. That wasn't the first church ever. Sorry, even though it says first. Okay, so that the first church ever in Jerusalem, the leaders get word of what uh, is going on in Samaria, and they say, well, we need to get some people up there and help. And so they send two disciples, enter two, a couple of our disciples. They send Peter and John. And there's this weird, I want everybody to pay attention, okay? If you go back and read this chapter, which I, want to, I think everybody should read the book of Acts. I mean, you should read the whole Bible. But the book of Acts, there's some really cool stuff in here about whenever the Holy Spirit entered the scene and the way that we know him now. Uh, the Holy Spirit has always existed, but he didn't play exactly the same role before Jesus' resurrection that he does now. And so uh, in this chapter, you see this point, <clears throat> excuse me, you see this point where he's transitioning uh, from not being uh, around the way we know him to being around the way we know him, where he lives in our heart. Whenever you become a Christian, he comes upon you, and, and he lives in you, and he guides you, and teaches you, and comforts you. All those things that the Holy Spirit does. Now, he was still transitioning into that role. Sounds kind of weird to say, but he was. And so, if, if you read the story, it actually talks about uh, whenever the leaders find out that all these people were believing in Jesus in Samaria, they're like, oh no! They don't have the Holy Spirit up there yet. We need to send a couple of disciples up there and so that they can get the Holy Spirit. Right? And so you think, that's kind of weird. 
uh, because when we, what we believe and what the rest of Scripture teaches is that whenever you become a Christian, right then the Holy Spirit lives in you. You have the Holy Spirit right then. And that's completely true. But this is that transition period, okay? The Holy Spirit's still kind of coming into to, to fruition, to fulfillment. And so that's where Peter and John, they ride up into Samaria and they start praying over people and doing the laying on hands, which we in Baptist world think is weird. It's not if it's done right, okay? So they do this. Everybody starts to receive the Holy Spirit. And then there's healings that happen. There's these miracles and all this stuff. And Simon, the magician, he gets real intrigued. He sees all these miracles happening, people being healed and this stuff. And so he goes up to Peter and says, hey, Pete. That's the JJ version, okay? It's, hey, Pete, how much money do I have to pay to learn how to do this stuff? Like, how to learn how to, like, be a healer. So he sees a business opportunity. He's like, oh, all right. I mean, like, people have already been paying me to do this other sorcery and these things like this. Like, if I can learn how to heal people, I can make a lot of money. That'd be awesome. So he's like, hey, Peter, how much money I got to pay to learn the tricks, bro? Uh, and Peter says, man, if you're asking that question, then you're not really a believer. You don't get it. You've missed the whole point. You've missed the whole point. <laughs> like, you say you believe in Jesus, you're even dunked in water, right? Because baptism, the word literally means to immerse, to submerge in water. Um, it doesn't necessarily say to bring them back up, so maybe we've been doing baptism wrong. I don't know. Anyway, that's, that's a joke. That's a joke. Anyway, uh, so he's, he's said he believed in Jesus. He's been baptized. But then Peter's saying, look, man, if you're asking that question, you're not a Christian. Like, that's one of those, like, you've missed the whole thing, and you don't really understand what's going on, and you didn't understand what you were believing in, you didn't understand, you didn't, that relationship didn't actually begin. And there's some, you know, Simon's like, well, I don't know, you know, and then the story kind of ends with that, with where Simon, where we just see that Simon didn't really get it, he didn't really understand the gospel, he was using it for selfish gain, he wasn't really using it for what, he wasn't, he didn't truly believe in the way that we talk about believing. And we'll dive into that a little more in a second. And so the story shifts. <coughs> excuse me. The story shifts now. Um, Philip, remember this deacon, just a normal dude, Philip, an angel shows up and says, hey, and this, so this is where I want you guys to look. We're in verse 26. So I want, I want you to know that this actually comes from the Bible. This isn't like J.J. exaggerating a story here. Okay, so 26, uh, uh, verse 26 of chapter 8. It says, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. It just decided, you know, Luke, the writer here, decided to tell us that. So I want you to see there, though, <coughs> excuse me, as an angel gives Philip, like, GPS directions. This is more like southern GPS directions, and what that means is like, hey, go to that tree, turn left, and then you're going to go down to that dog and take a right. It's, that's a southern GPS directions, right? Uh, anyway, but he gives them, like, specific directions. It's not just like, hey, you should head over to Gaza. You should head over to Jerusalem. It wasn't just, like, general, like, go to that place. It was, no, you need to head this specific direction and go down this specific road. And here's why. He's traveling down this road. He comes across this Ethiopian guy. He's a eunuch. I won't go into the details of what that means, we're just going to call him the Ethiopian. Uh, so this Ethiopian guy on a chariot, and he sees him reading. He sees him reading, uh, and he's like, okay, cool, that guy's reading. And then I want you to see this too, okay? 
Uh, where are we at? Verse 29. Skip down a few verses. Uh, once again, so uh, he's on this road, and verse 29, and the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, said to Philip, go over and join the chariot. So this Ethiopian guy has this scroll, like, you know, they read things in scrolls back then, so he's like, uh, has this scroll. Philip can see that the scroll is actually the book of Isaiah, what we know as the book of Isaiah, the Old Testament book. is a prophet in the Old Testament. Uh, and at first, I imagine Philip's like, oh, cool, that guy's reading Isaiah. That's awesome, right? And the Holy Spirit's like, hey, go join him. Like, go hop on his chariot, join him. He's like, I don't know, that dude's, that dude's reading. I don't know. No, Philip didn't do that. He was like, all right, cool. And he goes over and, like, hops on this guy's chariot. Uh, and he's like, hey, do you understand what you're reading? And Ethiopian goes, why would I? And nobody's shown me. Like, if you, nobody's shown me, nobody's guided me to know what I'm, what I'm reading. And so let's, let's read what he was reading. It gives us a little excerpt out of Isaiah here that he was reading in verse 32. Uh, if you jump down, your, most of your Bible should have it segmented out here. And it says, like a sheep... He, has, uh, he was led to slaughter, and like a lamb, before its shearer is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his, humilia- in his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And, and uh, the Ethiopian, after they read that section, he goes, now as is Isaiah talking about himself? Is the author talking about himself, or is he talking about somebody else? Now, if you know who this is about, this is like, this is what we call a softball, right? I mean, to a guy who's trying to tell the Ethiopian about Jesus, this specific passage is one of the prophecies of Jesus. And so the guy goes, the Ethiopian goes, hey, is this about the writer, or is this about somebody else? Who's this about? Softball. And so then Philip goes, Boom. All right, so, well, that's about Jesus, this guy who was the Messiah, uh, and then goes, goes into the gospel and explains this to him, and the, and the Ethiopian becomes a Christian right there in his chariot riding along this road. So the angel that gave Philip GPS coordinate directions, you know, knew that this Ethiopian was going to be on this road, he was going to be reading the scroll, and that Philip needed to be the one to come along. Now, the story gets crazier, Okay. Here's an example of some of the crazy stuff that you'll find in the book of Acts that are just fascinating to me. Um, so they're riding along in the chariot. Uh, apparently, Philip had mentioned baptism at some point because, you know, that's the first step that you take as a believer to publicly show the world, like, hey, I'm following Jesus now, um, is that baptism. So they're riding along, and the Ethiopian sees water, and he says, hey, there's water over there. Can you baptize me? And Philip's like, absolutely, we can. So they stop the chariot, they go over, and they get in the water, and he baptizes the Ethiopian, and as soon as he comes up out of the water, Philip disappears, like full-on, like for real, teleports out of there. I'm not making this up. Look, go to uh, 39, verse 39. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord uh, carried Philip away, and the, and the eunuch, the Ethiopian, uh, saw him no more. And went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself in, however you say that word, because uh, I don't care to figure it out at the moment. And then he goes on to sharing the gospel. Okay, so Philip baptizes this guy. They're getting out of the water. And then all of a sudden he just vanishes. <laughs> it doesn't give us like the Ethiopian's response to that or anything. He just gets in his chariot and drives away, happy that he, lo- that he loves Jesus now. I mean, like, 
okay, that's not weird at all. And then Philip, it also doesn't show like what you know, his response was. All of a sudden, he's in another town. Like, I was just on a road with this Ethiopian guy, and now I'm in this town. Well, I guess I'll tell people about Jesus. And he just goes on sharing about Jesus. This is crazy. They're, they're, this is actually not the first time in Scripture this happened. I can't remember. There was a prophet. What's the name of the prophet? Do you remember, Jess, that actually got picked up by his hair by God and, like, moved to another location and dropped? I'll have to find that and let you guys know where that's at. It's a really crazy story, too. God works in some weird ways, some weird ways, but in some cool ways. <coughs> Sorry. So Philip, the, uh, the only person to teleport in history, so it is, it is possible, everyone. Um, you just have to love Jesus enough, and then you get to teleport. That's not true. That's not true. You don't get to teleport if you love Jesus enough. Anyway, so what's the whole point of this, these stories? What are some things that we can get out of this story besides the Holy Spirit did some really cool stuff back then? Now, the Holy Spirit can work in those ways. The Holy Spirit's still just as powerful as he was then, but the Holy Spirit works differently today than he did then. A lot of that uh, has to do with how rapid uh, that the, the gospel was being spread at that point compared to how many Christians there are in the world now that can spread the gospel even, even more quickly without having to be teleported places. Uh, and so there's, there's just different ways that the Holy Spirit works now because he didn't have to, assume, assuming that Christians get off their tuchuses and like go and it's, it's a fancy word for but. Um, if, you, if Christians get off their lazy keisters and go, another fancy word for but, uh, and go and share the gospel, then the Holy Spirit doesn't have to work that way. These were special circumstances to try and advance the gospel really quickly in a time that it was not. So what do we get out of this? First thing I see in here, um, just like with the disciples, Philip was an ordinary guy. He was just a deacon at first whatever Jerusalem. I mean, like he was just... He's just a normal, average layperson is, is what's talked about in, uh, in Christendom, in the Christian realm. Lay people are people who are not vocationally paid to be ministers, right? Everybody is a Christian is called to be a minister. Some people are, get paid to do it full-time, like myself. Um, but he was just a normal layperson who God used to do some really cool stuff. Like how many people just decide, oh, I'm going to go to my enemies tell them about Jesus because they need him, that they do, and people start coming to Jesus. Um, that's really cool. And then also how many people get to be like just magically teleported somewhere else. Um, it's not magic. God did it. Anyway, but he was just an ordinary dude. So why did God use him so much? Well, the next point you get out of this is that Philip followed the Holy Spirit. He followed the Holy Spirit. So he was an ordinary dude who just listened to the Spirit. Angel shows up, says, hey, go south. Take this road that goes from this town to this town. Doesn't say why or anything. Just says to do it. Philip doesn't go, I don't know. I don't really want to go that direction. I was kind of thinking about hanging out here more. I was thinking about going west or whatever, you know. No, he just does what the angel tells him to do, and he gets to be a part of changing an Ethiopian's life. That's incredible. And then... Even before he gets to, to change that Ethiopian's life through the gospel, it's really Jesus changing his life, but because Philip was faithful, he got to be a part of that. Even before that, though, 
Philip comes up on this Ethiopian, and he's reading a scroll, and he says, uh, it, he'd say, this is just, this is JJ projecting my personality onto Philip. You come up onto this person reading, and you're like, oh, I'm not going to disturb them. They're reading. That's cool that they're reading the Bible or whatever. Um, he probably loves God. That's awesome. And the Spirit says, hey, go talk to him. Philip didn't say, I don't know. I don't want to disturb him. I mean, he, what if he like gets it reading the scripture or whatever? No, he just like runs over and is like, hey, do you know what you're reading? <laughs> um, he followed the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, again, the Holy Spirit doesn't work today in the same way that he did then. Not that he can't, he just doesn't. And so you, you don't get the, the privilege of hearing an audible voice that says, hey, Talk to that kid sitting next to you in class. You don't get that audible voice, but those of you who are Christians, chances are you've been in a situation, you're sitting next to somebody, you're walking next to somebody, and you just feel something, and you think, man, I need to talk to this person, or man, that person, I mean, like, I need to invite that person to church. You just feel something that compels you to talk to those people. That's how the Spirit works a lot of times in our time today. That's how the Spirit works a lot of times in our day. And then the last thing uh, I see in this story that I think we can draw from tonight is that Simon, the magician, he believed the facts. He believed with his mind, but not his heart. He believed the facts of the gospel. Like He was like, oh, Jesus, that guy that I've heard about, he died on the cross, that's cool. Uh, Apparently he came back to life, that's awesome too was even baptized. But you see in his interaction with Peter that when the scripture says that he believed, that's the head knowledge type belief. If you were in contemporary uh, worship a couple weeks ago, Britain talked about this. There's a difference in the, the like base definition of believe, which is to, like, to have knowledge, to know, to, to believe the facts about something, and then the overall usual meaning of the word believe in scripture, which is to add faith to that. There's a, whenever you believe in Jesus, it's not just, oh, that guy existed. Because the scripture says uh, in another place that the demons believe in Jesus and they shudder. Like even the demons know who Jesus is. They know the facts of the gospel. They know that Jesus took on our sin, died on the cross, was buried, then conquered death and rose and is now reigning in heaven on the throne as king of the universe. Like they, the demons know that but they don't have that faith, they don't have that relationship. And so Simon is actually uh, an example in Scripture of someone who said they believe in Jesus, was actually baptized, and they didn't actually know who Jesus is. They didn't actually know, they didn't actually have a relationship with Jesus. Everybody, everybody thought, oh, he said, he's, he said he believes in Jesus, I saw him be baptized, but he didn't actually have a relationship Jesus. Now, there are some uh, outside history books, uh, like when I say outside, I mean outside of scripture history books that allude to a guy named Simon that's, that was in this region that w- did sorcery and that kind of stuff that actually fought against Christianity and that kind of thing. And so we don't, we don't know the rest of Simon's story from scripture, and we don't know 100% that that's that guy, but there's a chance that he realized he didn't really believe in Jesus too, and then started working against uh, Christians. And so there's a difference in just knowing that Jesus exists and actually be in a relationship with Jesus. And so the challenge questions I have for you and myself uh, from this 
is this. First, do you simply just believe that church is a cool thing to come to? Hopefully you kind of think that. But do you just believe that? Do you just believe that, oh, this Jesus guy existed? Do you know the facts of the gospel that Jesus died and he rose from the dead? Do you just know that? Or do you have faith in that? Do you have trust in that? Has that knowledge led to your heart following Jesus? Has that belief and faith, does that lead you to desire to learn more and study Scripture? to be connected to God more in prayer, to be connected in Christian community more by coming to church. Now, I'm not saying perfect. I'm not, a, I'm not saying that if you don't read your Bible every day, you're not a Christian. The Bible doesn't say that. But do you have a relationship with Jesus that comes from your heart that leads you to want to share the good news of Jesus with the world? Or do you just go, oh, yeah, Jesus was a dude who lived. Love that Jesus. That's a serious question that each of us need to, to ask ourselves. And then lastly, if, you, if the answer to that is yes, like I'm in a relationship with Jesus, I don't read my Bible every day, but I try and I want to know more and I want to, I want to love Jesus more and I want to love the world around me more. If that's, if that's your response, the question for you is, are you following the Holy Spirit's leading? You're walking in the hallway next to somebody uh, or whatever circumstance you find yourself in with somebody, maybe somebody in your own, home, your own home, and you feel that nudge in you that says, man, I need to talk to that person about Jesus, or I need to invite that person to a greenhouse. Are you following that leading, or are you allowing your, to, yourself to talk yourself out of it? I personally allow myself to talk, talk myself out of that kind of stuff a lot. Even today, I'll be like, oh, no, that person's reading, or that person's doing whatever. I'm not going to bother them. I'm just not following the Holy Spirit. And there are times that I don't get used by the Holy Spirit in really cool ways because I'm not following the Holy Spirit. Philip, we wouldn't have these cool stories, these real and cool stories about Philip if he didn't follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian, if you're in a relationship with Jesus, are you following the leading of the Holy Spirit? Let me pray and then we'll go this morning. Father, I thank you uh, for this time, I thank you for your word. <laughs> I thank you that you work in ways that we could never even think of and ways that we could never even imagine. Uh, Lord, I ask that you would lead those of us who are in relationship with you, you would lead us to continue to be patient with us as we try to follow you and we try to learn more about you and who we're supposed to be. Lord, those in the room who aren't in relationship with you, I, I pray that you would, you would bring conviction on them and you would show them that they need that relationship with you and that you're loving and that you're good. You're not, you're not wanting to punish them, but you're wanting to remove that punishment and be in relationship with them. Christ, my friend. Amen. Uh,